77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Under the command of General Eisenhower, Allied naval forces, supported by strong air forces, began landing Allied armies this morning on the northern coast of France. This ends the reading of communique number one from Supreme Headquarters, Allied Expeditionary Force. Ladies and gentlemen, this is New York, NBC Newsroom again. Men and women of the United States, this is a momentous hour in world history. This is the invasion of Hitler's Europe, the zero hour of the Second Front. The men of General Dwight Eisenhower are leaving their landing barges, fighting their way up the beaches into the fortress of Nazi Europe. They are moving in from the sea to attack the enemy under a mammoth cloud of fighter planes, under a ceiling of screaming shells from Allied warships. The first news flashes do not say, but a large proportion of this assault is believed to be in the hands of American men. They are making the attack side by side with the British Tommies who were bombed and blasted out of Europe at Dunkirk. Now, at this hour, they are bombing and blasting their way back again. This is the European front, once again being established in fire and blood, not only by the Americans and British, but by many allies in the fight against Axis aggression. Great song, Tom Petty, American Girl, after the actual radio broadcast 79 years ago. Today, June 6, 1944, the Allied forces in Normandy, D-Day. Anytime these events pop up, I love to talk to the great colonel, very decorated colonel, Jack Jacobs. Got to know Jack during the Imus days, and uh, Jack is still kind enough to join me here uh, years later, a war hero of Vietnam, of course. Jack Jacobs, Mr. Colonel, how are you, pal? Well, I'm good for an old man, all things considered. <laughs> you have me on the program. <laughs> you're a great, and uh, every time you're on, I'm going to be honest with you, I get tremendous feedback because with all the issues in this country, and as divided, Jack, as you know this country is, and there's a lot of hate, not nearly as much as the media wants you to believe. There really isn't, but there's still a lot of it. I think most people still appreciate the veterans, some not enough, but most do. And when you're on this show, 
I get great feedback. So people love you, and thank you for what you did. Well, it was a long time ago, and I I grew up in the shadow of the Second World War, uh, during which every household had served. Every household had done something to defend the country. We lost about almost half a million Americans killed in action during the Second World War to make the world free. And uh, those people who served were very proud of it. Nowadays, we have a very small number of young men and women who are willing to defend us, and we ought to be. We ought to think about them all the time because they're out there right now on the cutting edge of freedom, keeping us free. Uh, we need to. We need to remember that on a day like today. So let me ask you, because the world is on fire these days. You know, China, we keep hearing from my friend Gordon Shang tells me it's not a matter of it's it's a matter of when, not if, that there'll be a war between the U.S. and China, Russia, who knows, with Putin. Do you think at this point we need to have a draft or, or not? Well, you're talking to somebody who believes in universal service. I always thought that if... Uh... You live in a free country. You owe it something in the form of service. Our problem is that we don't have the political will to have uh, anything other than what we have now. And it's very dangerous because what's happened is this. With a small number of people serving to defend us who are in harm's way, many of them, they're deployed right now, uh, we've opened up a wide gap between those people who are serving and those people who are being served. We take their service and their sacrifice for granted, and as a result, uh, it's not very, very healthy. No, I believe that we need we need to have the political will to defend ourselves and for everybody to make a contribution to it. You know, I'll tell you something interesting. Uh, on 9-11, more people were killed in New York City than were killed uh, on the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. Which, by the way, very few people knew where Pearl Harbor was at the time. And yet, on the very next day, hundreds of thousands of young people went to reception stations around the country to go defend, go defend the United States. We did not have that uh, after 9-11 when more people were killed in New York City than wow. were killed at, uh, right. at Pearl Harbor. We, we need to change the way in which we look at how we contribute to our own defense uh, that's got to change. Otherwise, we're not going to like the results. Well, that is uh, an amazing uh, statistic, and it is true, mind you, that, yes, more people did die that day, and that's why a guy like Pat Tillman, who gave up millions of dollars to live a cushy life and play in the National Football League, elected to take a gun and go to Afghanistan. And, of course, we know the story died from friendly fire. That's why he still talked about today because of his ultimate bravery, but because he was, like, the only one. I mean, you would have thought that a, a million guys would have done that, but... And you go back to World War II and, look, Jews are being exterminated, my people, in numbers, millions of numbers, by Adolf Hitler. He was clearly trying to take over, you know, the original Putin. And then you go back to your war, Vietnam, where most people thought, including, I'm sure, many of you servicemen, that that was a war that should never have been fought. You look back at the two, if you want, motivations to fight World War II against your war and very different stories, yes? Yeah, the world had changed after the Second World War. It was uh, uh, kind of a bifurcated world, uh, the good guys against the communists. Our, our view was that the communists were taking over in in Asia, and we need, need to do something about it. We, we got asked by the government of Vietnam to go assist 
and we know the story. I, at the end of the day, uh, everything looks different in a rearview rear mirror. I, I, we didn't get in, involved in the Second World War until we, we got attacked, even though, as you said, millions of people were getting exterminated on two continents, mind you. When we joined the war, the war in Asia had already been going on for more than a decade. And the war in Europe had already been going on for about two and a half years. I'm going to stop you for one second. And that's why when people talk about FDR in these glorious terms, I get furious. Because to your point, he knew it. He knew the war was going on. He knew the Jews were getting killed. There were ships with Jews on them that he didn't accept here in the United States. So the fact that eventually we ended the war because of brave people like you, that president, that FDR, knew people were getting killed and did nothing about it. It, not only that, but he got on one of his fireside chats not long before we got attacked and said something like the following. He said, I hate war. We're not. We'll fight in Asia. European boys will fight in Europe. We're not going to fight. And I hate war, he said. He said, Eleanor, his wife, hates war. He said, Fala, you know who Fala was? His dog. He <laughs> said, Fala hates. His dog hates. He yeah, said yeah, this yeah. on a broadcast. And and we were as isolationist as we possibly could be because we were led to do that. And meanwhile, people were getting killed everywhere around the world, and we didn't step up. Sometimes you got to step up, and it's brave people like those who fought on D-Day. 5,000 Americans killed on, on that beach. Brave people like that who made us all free, said. I agree, and uh, the bravery continues. Uh, much smaller numbers, yes. This even, for the first time, I think, in my life, and if God is good to me, I'll be 57 next year, Colonel Jack. You know, I, I, Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. But people always said my whole life that you can't beat the Americans, even in the worst of times, even Jimmy Carter, 1979. You can't beat the Americans now. A healthy amount of folks that I speak to really believe that we are no longer the strongest army. I disagree, but they believe with all the woke stuff and transgenders and all that stuff going on that we are no longer the strongest army. And if we suffered major casualties in World War II or Korea or Vietnam, forget about what would happen now. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we got to pay more attention to our capabilities. We have too few people in uniform. We've got a lot of technological capability, but at the end of the day, unless we have sufficient numbers of people focused on the most important thing, and that is training to defeat the enemy, unless we spend all of our time on that, uh, we're not going to like the result of that either. No, we, we have too many people who are involved in uh, social engineering deciding how we're going to defend this country. We shouldn't be doing that, Sid. Do you think that... Donald Trump, when he was president, and I'm not asking you to give me your opinion on him. If you like him, didn't like him, I don't care. But in this respect, war, when it came to intimidating the bad guys, like him pointing out on a map to the al-Qaeda leader where his, his wife and kids were, and if somebody gets harmed, an American gets harmed, I'll blow that place up. Do you think that Donald Trump, when he was uh, the chief, the leader, uh, did a good job with that, and this is just Joe Biden going backwards? Uh, every president uh, does some things really well and other things very, very poorly. And each one of the presidents we, we've had, certainly in my memory and my study, have done things that were positive for the defense of the country 
and did things that were not very good for the defense of the country. Donald Trump is no different than anybody else in that regard. Frequently, you wind up doing things as a function of, A, not having sufficient information, and B, being poorly advised. And every single president has been in a situation like that and has made the wrong decision and the right decision. Trump is no different than Biden in that regard, no different than FDR, than in Harry Truman, or anybody else we've had as a leader. At the end of the day, uh, we need good leadership. And if we don't have good leadership, we're not going to be safe. That's all there is to it. They call them the greatest generation. Is that right? Yeah, and they were. No doubt in your mind. They were the greatest generation. Well, I'll tell you a very brief story. My father was uh, studying electrical engineering at the University of Minnesota. And about eight weeks from graduation, they yanked him and everybody else out, put him in the Army, fought in New Guinea and the Philippines uh, in the Army, hated getting dragged out of school, hated the Army, hated getting shot at. Nobody likes that. Uh, Got out of the Army the instant that he could when the war was over. And yet when he got to be my age, all he and his friends would talk about was how proud they were at having saved the world. And they had saved the world. That was, in Tom Brokaw's words, the greatest generation, and I still believe that. God, I love you, Jack Jacobs. We need more men like you. That's the problem. Our kids today are weak. They're not like you. So whoever uh, your father was and uh, your family, whoever raised you, they did an amazing job because you, and I mean this, you are a great American, a super guy, a decorated colonel. Thank you for your service. And as always, thank you for coming on the show. You always make it better. Thank you, buddy. Sid, thanks for having me on the program. God bless you. There he is, my friend, Colonel Jack Jacobs. And I use this term every now and then. I think the last one I used it for was um, Councilwoman, who's the one in Queens that Curtis loves? Yells like my mother. Not uh, Joanne, the other one. Oh, Paladino. Vicky Vicky Paladino. If you don't love Colonel Jack Jacobs, you don't love Jesus.